0: And now, here is Doreen.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downing, and I'm host of the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. What I do is invite guests here who are willing to explore their past and reveal to us some sort of struggle that they might have had with finding their voice. Perhaps it was a family situation or something that happened at school, or maybe it didn't really show up till later in life. And what we've been learning here in these episodes is voice is actually something that keeps developing over time. You keep finding your voice. So today, I would like to introduce a friend of mine, Laurie Seitz, and let me... Tell you a few things about her before we get to discover more about her. Lori Seitz is the CEO of Zen Rabbit and host of the podcast Fine is a Four Letter Word. She's an award winning writer, speaker, and broadcaster, and a nationally recognized expert in using gratitude and meditation as shortcuts to success. When I say meditation, it makes me want to take a breath, which I will. The most difficult thing she's ever done is leave a 22-year marriage. And that experience inspired her transformational Fuck Being Fine program. Through it, she guides corporate teams and private clients who are finished living a dumpster fire to a place of clarity, peace, and productivity. When she's not working, you can find Lori in her sanctuary, aka the weight room at the gym. (laughs) She also loves cupcakes, Thai food, and classic rock music. Well, that's wonderful learning even more about you right here, right now. Thank you, Lori, for joining me here. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yes. Well, it's about finding your voice. And let's I always like to start earlier, any kind of memories that you have that come up around that illustrate how you felt like you either didn't have a voice or how it was stuffed, if it was stuffed, just any, any stories you have about not having had a voice early in life. Yeah. Well, I was always
2: very shy as a child and I don't know, you know, where I think that we're either born that way or like, I don't think it's. It's a characteristic that you're born with like blue eyes. you know, some people are more uh, shy, less likely to raise your hand in class, whatever it is. Um, that was me. I didn't, you know, uh, hesitant to talk to strangers, but at home, where I was comfortable, they couldn't shut me up. So <laughs>
1: it was so shy around people who I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, that that dichotomy. I mean, in some ways, it feels good that you had a sense of comfort somewhere. A lot of people that I talk to, family is the place where they don't have a voice. So, mm-hmm. it. Uh, what what birth order would you say? I'm the oldest. Uh huh.
2: So you and the, I'm the oldest uh, for my parents, and I was the first grandchild for both sets of grandparents.
1: Uh huh. Ooh, kind of a special place. Yeah. So, what do you think? What happened at school that it felt less? You're less able to have a voice there.
2: I think it may may have been a matter of confidence, of just feeling like it. I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't want to not look like I was uh, knew what I was talking about. And so, even if I knew the answer. I would be reluctant to raise my hand and I certainly was not the one to like scream out, out of turn. Um, but I think that's really what it was. It was, it was being afraid to make a mistake.
1: Yeah. I think in our families, you know, we're safe. We're kind of like a little environment where, especially being the firstborn, I was also the firstborn. It feels like the, we have lots of positive attention and well, for, those of us who got it, (laughs) Uh Uh, but when we go to school, it feels like there's a whole nother set of expectations. We're in a different environment. And not only that, there are peers, you know, other people And it. To me, it feels like maybe early on we're already starting to compete. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I'm not a big one on competition. Like I wasn't an athlete. I, I mean, I played some sports, but I didn't have super competitive um, drive. You know, that's not something that motivates me. If someone says, all right, we're doing a contest and whoever, you know, doesn't really motivate me. It never did. So yeah, competition to me, I'm much, much more comfortable in collaboration.
1: Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Well, also what happens in schools is that we start going for the grades, not necessarily competition, but Ooh, you know, there's this kind of drive to get somewhere. And did you have any kind of like speaking, you know, a lot of times people talk about teachers who make them stand up in front of the class until they sweat. <laughs> no, I don't have any memories
2: of that, that kind of um, humiliation or anything like that. No, I do so I don't remember this, but I remember my mom telling the story over the years was that I came home from first grade with a spelling test and I was in tears because I had gotten a 96 and not a hundred.
1: Oh, that's saying a lot right there (laughs) early on. Oh my. Yeah. So I was,
2: I was the one I had this perfectionist drive yeah, and I've, I feel in a lot of ways I've overcome it, you know, because perfection is, that's not attainable. And, you know, now that I've reached this stage of life, I, I realize that and do it, making the effort, doing the best you can, do, working with what you've got and moving forward from there, you know, creating like um, version 1.0 so that you can then go to version 2.0 and version 3.0, but it doesn't have to be perfect straight out of the gate.
1: Yeah. Well, that is certainly a learning uh, life lesson that somewhere along the line you picked up because at at that early stage, 96, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy
2: to think about. And she knew right away, like she says, she was like, where did this come from? Yeah.
1: Well, moving into just right along now into high school, I know that in college, before I get there, I, you were on the radio show, but in high school, any kind of sense of, like you said, you weren't into sports and, you know, we look at, we can see that grades were important to you. Anything else about uh, that time period where where we're starting to be more social, it seems like, and, you know, kind of leaving the nest a little bit more, the family and being out in the world a little more during high school. Yeah, I had, I had a close group of friends, and
2: and I always have had that. Uh, in fact, I, I still have some of those high school friends. A couple of girlfriends. We do girls' weekend every year, and we're still in touch. And actually, since pandemic, we've been doing Zoom calls every two weeks. So the three of us uh, we had a very tight knit group of us that hung out together. I was not in the the popular crowd. I wasn't a cheerleader. I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't feel like I was among the popular. I wasn't ostracized in any way, but I wasn't, you know, I was kind of like middle of the, the pack. And actually when I wasn't in honor society, either national honor society, I kind of got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm not going gonna... <sighs> to, if I have to work all the time really hard to be straight a student, I'm not going to do it it's not worth it to me. Like I didn't see the payoff of doing that. So I got good grades, A's and B's, but I didn't work so hard all the time to make it into national honor society. And mm-hmm. that t- didn't, didn't, didn't bother me at all that I wasn't in there. And it hasn't affected my life <laughs> success to not be a national honor society. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, high school, high school was I think for so many people, it's it's hard because you're figuring out who you are and how do I fit in into the world, and how do I, um, you know, so many uh, hormones and emotions and stuff going on. It just says you're natural, growing and developing. But I think it was pretty average experience. It wasn't horrible, and it wasn't like the best time of my life either.
1: Well, I like hearing that you had uh, intimate relationships with these uh, friends, which made it feel like you were comfortable and you weren't isolated and you had to hide and uh, you know had insecurities. It, it felt like I kind of get like uh, just even some of our conversations. If it's just like we're we're friends easily, you you make friends easily. I do when I can
2: have real conversations with people. Uh-huh. So this is the thing as an an introvert. And I use that term, you know, there's so much baggage attached to whether somebody can, is an introvert or an extrovert or whatever, but as somebody who I like to go deep versus having, you know, a hundred friends, I'd rather have 10 friends who are really close. But what ends up happening is I actually have more than 10 friends that are really close that I, you know, could call in the middle of the night. And I'm so blessed and grateful to have that. But I think that is also because I have that the willingness to go deep into a conversation instead of just keeping it superficial
1: yeah that that capacity is where connection lies i think you know are you are we connecting kind of superficially or from our hearts or from the the realness and that's partly why i wanted to invite you today is because you are somebody that to me feels like can go deeper. And I love deep conversations also. So, (laughs) so, uh, so tell me what, when you got into college, you said that you became, I don't know, radio host that had to be, there must've been some transition there. When I was in high school
2: and I I don't have a super clear memory of this, but there was a, a community broadcast station. Like, do you remember back in the day, like they had, they were like cable community cable stations, I guess. And I have no idea how we got involved. I think my mom might've been volunteering there or something and she would bring me and I fell in love with the whole broadcast TV station thing. Like, I was just like, this is amazing. So when I started college, I started as a broadcast major (laughs) and I specifically remember, and I think this, I I might've shared this with you pre-show, The moment my parents drove away from dropping me off at college, I went immediately to the campus radio station. I mean, not campus TV station first. Campus TV station. And I was like, how do I get involved? How do I sign up? Where do I go? What do I do? And I think they had tryouts. Like they had some kind of little show, like a, a news show and they had tryouts. And I didn't, I think what happened is I didn't, chosen to do a part on the TV show. And so then I ended up at the radio station and they were just looking for tons of people to take over. Cause they, I don't know if it was a 24 seven station, but they needed people to do shifts. And so first semester, freshman year, I had a show on that radio station and it was, you know, it didn't broadcast past the campus. It was only on campus, but it was music and it was fun.
1: Yeah, if people could, whoever's listening, let me tell you, Lori has such a great big smile on right now that we we tapped into her fun button. Wow. Yes. Yes. Well, that uh, also what I'm getting and want to pass on to listeners is the fact that you were, it it almost feels like the excitement of moving towards something. And if you're not excited, kind of like you say, I'm not excited about getting grades or at least being the honor society, I'm not going to do it. But look at, you know, look at broadcasting and what is there. And so that that sense of paying attention to what calls you and where your excitement is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that whole journey was, you know, so first of all, because I was so typically so shy when my parents dropped me off, I think what happened was it was like a a switch flipped. Nobody else is going to be around to talk for me. No one else is going Mm -hmm. to speak for me. I have to speak for myself. And they drove away and I'm like, I'm free. Not that I was feeling trapped, but I, I knew that I was going to have to speak for myself now and i was kind of excited about it i guess at that point you know maybe a little fear and excitement mixed in because that's you know what it college is a whole new experience i was away from
1: 4 hours away from home yeah well i think uh, what you just said leads to something down the line which i read in your bio about helping people break out of and that moment where you just said the freedom to uh, be whatever happens to whoever you happen to be. But also what I got was it was like you just said, if I were going to have a voice, I had to I had to use it. I had to be it. Nobody else was going to speak for me. And I uh, would like to move forward then to how the transformation into, I mean, like where, did, where did you start working? And how did you get to be somebody who is so, Zen rabbit. What is, (laughs) you know, what's the journey?
2: Yeah. So, um, I actually didn't graduate college as a broadcast major two years in, I had a conversation with somebody who was working professionally at a radio station and he told me, okay, so here's what your career path is that you can expect. You can expect to work, uh, to move to Iowa and work overnights for $10 an hour. And that's how you start. That's how we all start. And I was like, I'm going to school in the nation's capital." I'm not moving to Iowa for $10 an hour. And I changed my major and I changed it to public communication, which was like public relations, really. Um, So when I started my career, I started more in advertising. And then I thought, okay, I want to be a copywriter Um, because it is all about still expression. I'm a great writer and expressing myself in words is uh, okay, we all express ourselves. Well, nah, some people could express themselves in physical movement and stuff, but yes. words are my the uh-huh. choice, whether spoken or written. I love words. Um, so yeah, so I started, uh, again, it's finding the right people. The connection piece of connecting with people and networking started young, started in college, if not before, um, of recognizing that Connecting with other people is how you get to where you want to go. Like nobody's running, nobody's, you know, you talk about like self-made people, like self-made millionaire. No, you, everybody has to have help from somewhere. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, well, already, listen, people, listen to Lori having a voice here (laughs) from from your life lessons and passing those on so easily. And the whole idea of you being somebody who heads out into the world and makes that same kind of choice, you know, that we were, I talked about before, you know, no to this, yes to that, no to this, yes to that. That feels like one of the patterns I'm picking up today that seems to be, Be partly who you are, but also a model for some of the things that we need to lessons and guides, guidance we need in our life around what to say yes to and what to say no to and listening to that voice inside of us.
2: Oh, my gosh, that's so, so important. And I have not always done that. Uh, You know, we were, we're, when you recap and you look back at 30 years, it looks like it was easy to make a choice to go this way and then that way, and then do this other thing. But it was never like that really. It never felt like that in the moment. Mm -hmm. However, where I am now, this, I mean, this is what I talk about all the time now is finding connecting to your inner voice is so important. I think even more so in today's world because we have more outside influences coming into our minds than ever before. I mean when you and I were coming up there was there was media, there was TV, there was radio but there wasn't social media and constant 24/7 chatter going on outside trying to uh like I was going to say force but trying to influence what you're thinking and how you're acting. And we have to trust our own inner self, get quiet enough to hear what our own inner voice is saying, to know what path is the the truest, most authentic one for us.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. I was going to ask you, it sounds like you kind of naturally went there when we're talking about inner voice, how to find it, her, him, they, and listen, and then trust all the, all, so say just a little bit more about finding the inner voice. My method of choice for finding
2: the inner voice is meditation. I, that's where I take people all the time is in meditation. There are other ways to get there. That's not the only tool. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of paths to the center of the circle, if you will, Mine is meditation. So actually, my mom took my brother and me to a meditation course when I was 10. So I was introduced to meditation at a very young age. However, I then did not use it for the next uh, 35 years. And it wasn't until she passed away in 2014 that I came back to consistently meditating. And it wasn't right away, but it was you know, within a year or so after she passed, I found meditation again. And started practicing consistently. And that's where I find that you can get into that space where, you know, you, I was going to say where you can quiet your thoughts. And a lot of people struggle with that of, I can't quiet the thoughts in my head. So I'm not good at meditation, but part of a meditation practice is recognizing that those thoughts are constantly zooming around and going, hold on just a minute. Um, You take a back seat. And then you get quiet again or come back to your breathing or whatever, um, listening to the meditation teacher's voice. And then maybe you need to do it again in 10 seconds or another 15 seconds, but it's part of the practice. You get better at it as you do it.
1: Whoops, Laurie, I just lost your sound. And what we're doing here is talking about meditation. And Laurie got to share her process about finding and connecting with the inner voice, and I would say that uh, yes, getting quiet. And there are also she talked about all, all many kinds of options for finding your voice, and meditation is definitely one where you can still. And I think it it to me it reminds me the visual is kites flying, and what you can do is yeah, the kites are going to fly, but you can also hold on to the string and stay to the ground. Are you back, Lori?
2: Yes that that's such a good metaphor because grounding is exactly what we're doing like uh-huh. yeah, grounding finding your place of groundedness and your center of calm no matter
1: what else is going on around you ooh i love center of calm why don't we just tell the people right now who are listening just take one breath yeah, it's not only one breath, it's a long breath, full breath, and find the center of calm. Just saying that, you might notice my voice is just dropped down on the active or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's just fun being with kind of like playmates out there in the world. With uh, So speaking of out there in the world, we're getting close to the end. And I really want y- you to talk about either the podcast or you know this whole program that you're doing, Fuck Being Fine program. Yeah. Well, the
2: podcast is called Fine is a Four-Letter Word because we live in a society where people walk around and we talked about superficial conversations. How are you doing? I'm fine. They're not fine. They're not, like We're conditioned to just say fine to everything when, as you said in my introduction, there's really a dumpster fire going on. And until we can share what we're really feeling with people, we're, we're going to be still feeling like we're disconnected. So, allowing people to see who you really are, what's really going on. I mean, sure, you have to discern whether you dump all your issues on somebody or not. You know, is it appropriate? But let's be real with ourselves first and stop lying to ourselves that I'm fine when you're not.
1: Nice. Yeah. I like that idea of. Um, starting with yourself, not lying to yourself, just really telling the truth. And that goes along with what you said about meditation and coming to the center of calm, because that's where you can listen, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can listen to what's, what's really going on. And yeah, maybe it is the whole sense of a dumpster fire, but is there something else? And of course, if you're sitting in the, in the center of calm, there is something else, by the way, (laughs) right,
0: right.
2: So even if you have a dumpster fire going on, if you can take five or 10 minutes even to get yourself centered through meditation. And like you said, breathe and just center for those 10 minutes. You're not paying attention to all the other stuff that's going on. And that's so valuable.
1: So what about this program where you help businesses? I imagine you do coaching also. What I do is I bring workshops into businesses. Um
2: to teach them about using gratitude and meditation as a complement, as an additional tool to working hard, because we again, live in a society that says the only way to success is to work hard. Most people are already working as hard as they can and still not at the level of success that they'd like or to the place of success as they define it um, that they'd like to be. So I like bringing this this is my, my big vision is to bring this. This um, knowledge about gratitude and meditation to businesses, so that people can use it for business success as well as personal success. Because real success can only come when those two are meshed together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the idea that um, success that we're already working hard, we're working at to capacity, and then you're saying, "Hey, folks, you could add something," but what you're adding is something that quiets you, nourishes you and increases something else. Right. Isn't that right? Right. So a lot, one of the things I
2: hear all the time is I don't have time to meditate. Yes. (laughs) Right. But the thing about meditation is it reminds me of a quote from Abraham. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. That's what meditation does. So instead of giving you another thing to do to add on to your stuff when you can come from a place of groundedness and it makes you more effective at decision-making. It makes you more focused. So you actually spend less time in the doing because you're more efficient and focused there. So it's actually giving you more time. So spending 10, 20 minutes in meditation gives you more time on the other end because your the rest of your day doesn't take you as much to get as long to get those through the tasks you need to do.
1: Your explanation is so clear, you know, especially the image of Lincoln sharpening a saw and then, right. you know, just the uh, sawing takes a few minutes. And so what, by what we can do to increase our, uh, maybe even the joy of work and the busy yes. is by gratitude and that was the other thing, not only meditation, but feeling gratitude. And to me, it, it takes me down to my heart, I guess is what I feel like. And, and there's, I I'm even smiling right now, just feeling my heart, my, my, (laughs) the corners of my lips went up and I, (laughs) and I, and I very, very happy, happy is what it feels like with gratitude. Gratitude leads me to happy.
2: Because gratitude is the highest energetic vibration you can reach. Oh, we've got gratitude and love together, but they're both, but they're pretty much the same.
1: Well, it feels like partly gratitude and appreciation comes from a place of what you love exactly about another person or about something or about yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, you just keep opening up more doors that I'd want to go down, but we're going to need to come to an end. How do people find you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on uh, my website is Zen rabbit.com. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Uh the podcast is fine as a four-letter word. And Instagram Zen underscore rabbit.
1: Great. Well, I'm going to give you the floor for the last words here. I'm going to encourage people to
2: find gratitude in whatever situation when you can slow down, find some gratitude, take that deep breath that Doreen advised earlier. You know, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, just stop. Okay, take a deep breath in, let it go. What am I grateful for in this situation right now, in this very moment? And now move on with whatever you with your previously scheduled program.
1: Yes, well, it's easy, very easy. You know, they say easier said than done. No, this is uh, easy and done. <laughs> And Lori, thank you so much for sharing your voice today on our podcast. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at doreen 7 We hope you enjoyed the show and will return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.